Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone. Your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Do you remember? The 91st night of September. That's all I know of the song. Yeah. You told me it was Earth, Wind, and Fire Day. It is Earth, Wind, and Fire Day because today is the 21st of September that we're recording this. And that's the, that's the name they mentioned in their song. Their seminal, amazing, number one hit, September. Earth, Wind, and Fire is a great band. This is before my time. It's before both of our times. <laughs> uh, but yeah, great song. I love that song. My favorite. That was it. That's all there is to it. I like <laughs> that's all she wrote. That's all they wrote. Sorry. It's I like band. how you're like, I got to get on the right pitch for that one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, how's it going, everybody? You are watching slash listening to the Command Zone podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. And we are in our new set today, uh, but we finally turned it around so you can see behind us before we just had the Game Nights logo behind us. But this is actually, I think, my favorite part of the set. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. we've got a roaring waterfall. Yeah. What uh, what plane is this on? I think it's Ravnica. I think it's the city nice. of guilt. The city sans Jace. Because oh, I should shout out uh, Balam Nahera. I hope I'm saying his name right. He did the animation on this uh, cool thing behind us. So. Balam or Balam certainly oh, Balam. Sounds, sounds like a, uh, a Planeswalker name as well. So thank you, Balam, for making that animation. Jeffrey does them as well, uh, but Balam stepped in for this one. So oh, yeah. Exciting. Jeffrey did the one for the last game nights and the one for the next game nights. Uh, very exciting. Very exciting. Today on the show, we are talking about a fun topic. We don't do this Is it as fun? Uh, yeah, it's fun because I think it's, it's an gonna, annoying topic. It's going to start a lot of con- conversation, uh, and it's the most annoying cards in EDH slash Commander. But before we get into it, this show brought to you by CardKingdom.com slash CommandZone. Here's their awesome logo. There's their awesome hat. Make sure you go there if you want to buy any of these annoying cards that we're going to talk about today, as well as any of the new Ixalan product. It's all there. It's shipped really fast. We keep getting tweets, even though I thought it was going to end at some point, but we keep getting tweets that are like, hey, I, just, I was in X country. I just ordered this, and it came in three days. Amazing. That is amazing. 100% true. Card Kingdom is amazing. Also, Ultra Pro is amazing. We keep getting tweets about the Eclipse leaves. I know they're a little bit hard to find. People often kind of complain to us that they're hard to find, but they're hard to find because they're awesome and everyone's grabbing them and gobbling them up as fast as possible. Um, If you have a chance to try out the Eclipse leaves, I would highly recommend it. Big thanks to Ultra Pro for supporting the show. And the third way that you can support this show is directly at patreon.com slash command zone. In fact, we call out one lucky patron every single episode, and this episode is dedicated to Charles Gray. Charles, you rock. It's a sunny day because it's the 21st of September. Never was a cloudy day. Charles Gray? <laughs> I was like, I, how does that tie in? Gotcha. I don't know. Day yeah. Gray? I would like it's to take gray. a small moment to shout out all the patrons, though. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for being our... I, I love reading the patron comments and the messages more than anything else uh, because it's, you know... Twitter, you get a thousand people talking to you. Reddit, it's a cesspool, but a good one. Uh, but Patreon's nice. You know, I, it's per- personalized messages. I know so many people's names now as a result too. It's great. I, I will say that I make a marked effort to respond or acknowledge every single patron comment or anything from a patron because those are our most ardent supporters. You guys are really a huge reason why we're in this space, why we have this cool studio set and why the channel has grown so much. So thank you so much. Yeah. All right. Now let's talk Commander. C-O-M-M-A-N-D-E-R. Good job. (laughs) I almost missed the last E. (laughs) Let's talk about the most annoying cards in EDH. You know, there are some cards that just make us groan. Yep. They drive us crazy. 
Um, well, some that drive you crazy, some make me happy. That's that's, that's true. The that's point true. of well, this episode, you know, and I, I think that's a really good point and a disclaimer we need to make. Um, we're going to talk about a bunch of cards that we find annoying to play against, but that doesn't mean that we think they're mean, that we think people who play them are jerks, that we think they should be banned. We should revisit that disclaimer when you get to your number one, but sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't think those people are mean or jerks. I I I, I just don't like them. that card. Yeah, I don't yeah, hate yeah, them, yeah, right? Right, right? And I think that's an important um, association to make, which is that you know. Because it gets thrown around a lot, and I just wanted to say this, where because somebody plays a card you don't like is not really justified for you to be like not like that person. Yeah. Not like that card, sure, but that doesn't make them a bad person. The card's legal. They're allowed to play it. That's the format. Um, now it should you not can, be reflective of who they are as a person. Yeah, exactly. Now, you can not want to play against that person in that deck. You can do whatever you find fun, but that doesn't mean that like I don't like Jimmy because he plays my number one most hated card. I like Jimmy a lot. Clearly, we hang out all the time. He does play my most hated card. Quite often, and yeah. different versions of it. Astute yeah. viewers will already know what this number one is. <laughs> but I but I do not attribute any of that to Jimmy the person. It's all in the game. Totally get it. It's all fun. That's part of what makes magic awesome is that you yes. have to sort of overcome these things that you don't quote-unquote like. Yeah, um, and make, that kind of, like wrote here is really good. That kind of rhetoric is dangerous. Yeah. What does rhetoric mean? Rhetoric is just the the culture of talking about it in this case, right? So the idea that a lot of people will be like, this person, you know, oh, he played this card, he's a jerk. Or if you want right. to be a jerk, play this card. I don't like that rhetoric because it makes it okay to think in those terms, which I don't agree with, which is to attribute certain personality types to a person because of a card they played in this game. Yeah. Now, that's I would say that cards do in a certain way define the person. Like yeah, for sure. Your commander is always indicative of what you like to do or how you build your deck. But you shouldn't take single cards out of context because a powerful card or a card that works really well in your deck or one that affects your meta in a very powerful way doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It just means you're playing to the meta sometimes. Yeah. Or you might be playing a deck that I don't like, but that doesn't mean that it's you. It's just that's the way you like to play the game. Maybe we can't even play Magic together. It doesn't mean that you're a mean person. That's all yeah. I want to say. Okay. Enough of that. Off the soapbox. Let's talk about our most annoying cards. I'm very excited. Yeah. I'm going to go first. Oh, yeah. We don't have the computer here, so you're gonna, we're going to look them up I there. Know. Most of these, I, I think we know what they do, but we might get the wording slightly off. But yeah. it's, okay, whatever. Bear with us here. My number five, we're each going to do top five, and mm -hmm. then we'll do some honorable mentions. My number five most annoying card for me is Torpor Orb. Torpor Orb. Torpor Orb is very simple. It just stops, enter the battlefield effects from creatures. Yep. It's a two-drop artifact. It, uh, you know, I think enter the battlefield effects was the first thing that a lot of players go to is what I went to when it was like, wow, this really breaks the game if you can repeatedly do enter the battlefield effects. Or we're always taught that creatures that do something when they enter the battlefield are better than ones that don't, you know, right. because there's an impact on the board. You have your 187 creatures, the guys that kill someone that when they come in. So Torpor Orb stops, I would say, if I had to get a percentage, like 40% of my deck's effectiveness across the entire board. Yeah, there's certain decks where it stops like 90% of it. Rude. But like even decks that aren't built around that, there's going to be a lot of enter the battlefield effects on yeah. creatures just randomly in decks that aren't concentrating on that. I mean, who doesn't put Eternal Witness in a green deck? Exactly. That's like one of the best <laughs> enter the battlefield abilities there is. And another thing I don't like about Torpor or, or that I find annoying is that it shuts off the way that I would get rid of it a lot of times. So like right. a lot of the decks are like, well, I have Reclamation Sage or I have a six line yeah. or <laughs> those are my ways to deal with problematic artifacts. Well, Torpor Orb is a problematic artifact that also protects itself from that. Yeah. Um, I will say that Torpor Orb probably caused me to become a better deck builder. 
Right. Because I had to start going towards cross and grips and other things that, you know, I had to think about that when I was deck building and realize like, well, what if somebody plays a torpor orb type effect? There's a few other cards that do it. Hushwing Griff. Mm-hmm. There's that new one. I forget what it was called from Ixalan. Um, so, but I... It's but, a dinosaur, I think. But torpor <laughs> orb is one of those cards for sure when it hits the table. Like, yeah. people go, ugh. Well, it's interesting because it's not just the enter the battlefield effects on the creature. It doesn't cause abilities to trigger. So if you had a card like Warstorm Surge or, you know. Oh, that's a really good point. Well, any of the cards that are like when the creature enters the battlefield, X happens. Uh, those or just, shards. Yeah, or yeah. shards. Yeah. So it does actually affect a lot of that's stuff. That's true. It's not just enter the battlefield. That's a really good point. Yeah. Uh, the card is really annoying, though. I or shards is another way that I would get rid of Torpor, but it won't work. Yeah. That's really annoying. You know, I would have put Aura Shards on my list now that I think about it, but I use it in so many of my own decks that I feel like it would be against my own. Like, it's not annoying to play against if you play it all the time, I feel like. because That's you, interesting because you're used lot, to some it. of the cards on my, my list I do play. I know they're annoying to play against, but they're also so good that I'm like, well, I'm still going to play it. Yeah, it's a good point. We'll get to those later. Yeah, definitely. Okay. What's um, your number five? My number five is probably the one that I think comes to a lot of players' minds. It's the one that gets made fun of a lot, actually. It was on my honorable mentions. Yeah. It's Ristic Study. It's two in the blue. Uh, it basically is an enchantment that says every time someone casts a spell, you get to draw a card unless they pay an additional one generic mana for that spell. The thing about this is is that we almost always are drawing cards off Ristic Study in our playgroup. Well, I don't even think the fact that they're drawing cards is what's annoying because the Consecrated Sphinx is not as annoying. Sure. It probably draws you more cards, but it's this. You can pay one for that. You can pay one for that. Uh, did you pay the extra one for that? Yeah. And you're like, hold on, I'm still deciding some things. So yeah, I'll tell exactly. you in a second. I, you know, it's annoying to play <laughs> or, against because also you are everything is Thaliad. Everything costs one more essentially, and, and you're just looking at your hand like I could have done four things this turn. Now I can do two. Or I, <laughs> or you have to calculate. Or I can do the four things, but they'll draw four cards. Is that worth it? Yeah. Or exactly. I can do three and only draw three like what amount is worth it so the calculations just start going the other thing that's annoying about ristic study is the inevitability of this it's like your turn yeah and you're like oh wait craig whose turn is over already and jimmy's already drawn his card craig wait i forgot ristic study did you did you pay for it you know or or two turns (laughs) two turns ago yeah Yeah. and it's just like it just keeps going back and it's fine. We we almost always are like, yep, you can do that. Yeah. You know, it's just slightly annoying to just break up the game all the time with those questions. Yeah. It's kind of one of those things, too, where people very quickly forget it's on the table for whatever reason. Even the person that plays it, which makes <laughs> so, doesn't, so doesn't make any sense. <laughs> You're the one that has this incredibly powerful ability. And then everyone's like, oh, uh, well, okay. Well, oh, wait. Three turns happened. I was on my phone. I'm so sorry. Did everyone pay an extra one yeah. for their spell? Uh, okay. So I draw one, two, six. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the thing is, too, a lot of times people, it'll happen to like Craig, do you pay for one for it? And they look at their man base and goes, like, I do now. Yeah. Because <laughs> I forgot about it until then. <laughs> so it's kind of, yeah, it definitely breaks up the game. It's kind of like uh, Prof's weird uh, Venom infect cobra saber tooth saber tooth that i still don't understand it's like one of those things like well when are you gonna do it do you don't forget but no one's reminding you if you're playing against ristic study and like modo it'll always have the ability to pop up yeah and prompt you but we don't have that in real life magic so it just ends up being a very wordy card you probably say more words with this card than anything else and the words are always the same are you gonna pay one for that or did you pay one did you pay one are you you gonna pay pay one? one Can I draw right. a card? Actually, that's what I like asking. Can I can draw, I draw a, card? a card? Yeah. That's better than can I pay one? Yeah. Well, I think if you say can I draw a card, it's going to make the other player want to pay one more. Oh, Because they understand, right? Instead of just being like, oh, it's a tax on this thing. they, they It associates. Uh, that is really interesting. So maybe so I should I'm stop asking to say, that. Yeah. yeah pay, are you going to pay one? Are you going to pay the incredible extra amount of one mana, allowing you not to use your mana as efficiently as you want to this turn for that one spell? Is it worth it? <laughs> oh, God. If you said that every time, then yeah. Yeah. Then you were a jerk. Just sitting. Um <laughs> 
All right, number four for me. Oh, gosh. This is, card is annoying to play against. And it might be more particular to our play group because we have one player that plays this kind of card, and specifically this card, a lot. It's Triumph of the Hordes. Yep. This is a sorcery that gives all of your creatures plus one, plus one, and infect, and trample, right? Yeah. Trample, infect, plus one, plus one, two G. Why does it have to give trample? Because it's a game winner. It's so cheap. You're cheap. <laughs> no, I don't. I mean, it's cheap. It's two. It's four mana. Oh yeah, yeah. For like, like Cradlehoof at least. Like that's a game winner. But it costs eight. Like yeah, yeah. You know, you did. So, you got there. This is like very often. Turn five, I just kill you. Well, you maybe not me. <laughs> the thing I mean, I've died many times before turn six to this card. Yeah. If people just feel like it sometimes, I don't know. I it's got one this card. Those... I get it off one player. Let's do it. If you have a creature-based deck and you're in green, there's almost no reason, I think, that you shouldn't run this card if you're in like a more competitive meta of sorts. Yeah. Or or even just like you're having trouble killing people or getting people out of the game. Just play. I mean, it doesn't take much. Hearts. You play like a mana dork into yeah. like some kind of three drop into some kind of four drop, and then you play this. There's going to be someone that's You're going just going to die. Yeah. yeah. There's almost always going to be somebody that just can't do anything and they die. And because it's on a card that temporarily applies it to your creatures, people don't see the effect coming. It's, you know, four mana. People are like, oh, maybe he'll harmonize. Maybe she'll cast Hedron Archive. Yeah. Or, you know, if they've got three creatures out, sure. Maybe they'll hit me for six, yeah. seven. And there's always going to be deal. one person. I'm pretty sure, especially yeah. with Trample, there's going to be one unlucky soul yeah. that is just going to get. just can't do it. Maybe they swung, but they weren't worried too much about you swinging because it was yeah. just regular damage. They don't, uh, well, if whatever. it was like my Mario Chessa deck, I would be swinging anyway because I'm like, come, give me the damage. I don't want to be on the throw. Yeah, true. But not that so, kind of damage. Yeah, not that kind of damage. This this uh, this one's dedicated to Craig Blanchett, just in case those who didn't know. You know, I play it in a lot of my decks too, actually. Yeah. No, I do too. I will say Because though, of Craig, yeah. of course, it's really good. That's why I was saying is like not all the the cards on my list are cards I don't play. I play Triumph of the Hordes in a lot of decks, <laughs> but it's annoying. I find that it rarely works actually in the metas that I want to do it in because someone has some kind of like, okay, I'll take eight infect and remove the one thing that's going to kill me. So Well, I mean, our meta has shifted to have early blockers to be able to interact because of Craig. Yeah. So it it's sort of less good, but there's very often still a time when you can just kill it. Like, yep. I just can't remember ever having Triumph of the Hordes in my hand and ever thinking like oh this is no good it's always the, the <laughs> most calculations you're doing is like can i kill everyone chances are otherwise i'll just kill one person yeah pretty pretty good card all right you're number four my number four <clears throat> is a card that you particularly love every time it comes out i this have was to on read my it. honorable mentions too i have to read this card like six times every time <laughs> it comes out because i just don't understand why it's so good and it shuts down the entire game it's perplexing chimera Four and a blue for an enchantment creature chimera. It's a 3-3. Three, three. doesn't matter. Whenever an opponent casts a spell, you may exchange control of perplexing chimera and that spell. If you do, you may choose new targets for the spell. If the spell becomes a permanent, you control that permanent. So basically any spell that they cast, you can say, here, you take the perplexing chimera, and it's as though I just cast your spell instead. So I steal the card from your hand, but you get a 3-3. Three, three. And now you have the ability to steal the next spell if you are so inclined. There's almost no spell in EDH I wouldn't exchange for a permit. Like, if it was, like, a rampant growth, maybe. But, like... It really... First of all, you can abuse <sighs> it, obviously, with... Um, rune. Rune. Any flicker effects. Any kind of flicker effects. Because you flicker it once they have it, 
And then most of those effects say return it to owner's control at the next end step. Well, you're the owner of that card. Yeah. So it comes back onto your side of the table. Well, what you do is when the perplexing chimera triggers on the stack. Well, actually, no. The, no, yeah, yeah. You, you have to flicker it. it. Yeah. Well, the thing is, if you cast the flicker spell and they choose a different target for it. Yeah, that's a So good you point. have to do while the perplexing chimera is That's okay. Is, like, you still get the perplexing chimera if they do that. Yeah. So you get it either way, right? Oh, if you're they steal right. your flicker oh, spell. Oh, gosh. You're so right. So it's not that bad. Um, Unless they have a really good flicker target. I right? have also found that this card is pretty good even if you can't flicker it because it's just really hard to play against it yeah you're sitting there looking at all your cards and the eh decks aren't built with a bunch of cards that you don't care if your opponent gets them yeah yeah it's true it's like oh i'm gonna use a removal spell on it it's like no actually they could just use that removal spell on something else you get the chimera though and then now <laughs> the whole game is weird because you can steal other people's spells you know, and give them the Chimera. And usually if you have the Perplexing Chimera in your deck, you do have ways eventually to, like, flicker it or whatever. But plus nobody can play the Commander. Oh, man, I love this card. It's so great. But it's, it's a head-scratcher. so annoying. Because every time it comes out, you're just sitting there and you look at your entire hand and go, like, I don't want anyone to have any of these. I'm just going to keep passing the turn until someone finds a way to kill it. <laughs> I'm just going to do nothing. Like, board wipes are really the yeah. real effective way against this, a card like that. Yeah, because if you steal the board wipe with the Chimera, you're like, still that's happens. my board wipe. It yeah. doesn't matter. Still wipe. Still just do does it, the do same it for thing. the flavor. Yeah. All right. My number three is Gaddick Teague. This is a Alex Kessler special. This is a... And again, I play this in quite a few decks. Uh, if you're a creature-based deck, you probably want this in there if you can. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's green-white for a legendary creature, 2-2. It says non-creature spells with converted mana cost 4 or greater can't be cast. Hmm. Like Triumph of the Hordes? Like Triumph of the Hordes. And then non-creature... It also says non-creature spells with X in their mana cost can't be cast. So he's a non-creature mm. spell hater. Yeah, he's a hate bear because um, he's a 2-2 two, two for 2. Yeah. But he turns off, man, a very high percentage of uh, your opponent's decks. Yeah. He just and he turns off a lot of the stuff that would get rid of him. Uh huh. And they're all non-creature spells too. Ugh. 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 So good. You know, I don't think the X thing comes up as much, but the no. fact that you can play him on two if he's your commander and build your deck to have low CMC spells and a lot of creatures, a lot of creatures. Yeah, it, it's he's a very good commander. I think um, he's a finisher in a lot of creature decks too, because you know you're always getting to that board state where you're just on the precipice of like if they wrath. Mm -hmm. then I'm in huge trouble because I have to extend a certain amount to to be able to maybe win. Yeah. And so what can often happen is you get to that point, then you play Gaddock Teague as sort of your like, okay, now you can't Wrath because almost all Wraths Ugh. cost more than four. There's a couple that don't. Toxic Deluge, one of the reasons it's really good, stuff like that. But in general, you just put a lockdown, no Wraths. And now you're, you know, you're not 100% safe, but you're very often very safe with your big board. So it sort of, yeah, it locks down the board so no wraths can happen. And that very often can seal the victory in those type of decks where it's like, I just really need to untap with all this stuff and then mm -hmm. I can win. Yeah. So Galaxy. But again, if you're in a in a uh, in a game and you're not playing the Gaddock Teague, I don't know how many times it's hit the table and I've just looked at my hand and I have like seven, eight cards. <laughs> you and I only anymore. have two that I can even play, you know. Mm -hmm. A lot of decks are just like, uh, and, you know, they're not going to get rid of Gaddock Teague, so I'm in that situation for a while. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. That, that card's annoying. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's in a deck I'm playing soon. <laughs> I mean, it yeah, it's going it. to be great in that deck. <laughs> yeah. Um, so my number three is a card that, this is actually one of the few cards that I play a few in a few different decks. You but play it in a lot of decks, yeah. I hate this card, though, when it's played against me. 
Oh, well, uh, certain decks can't beat this card. Yeah, yeah. Certain decks just fold to it, especially Voltron decks. It is yeah. Grave Pact slash Dictate of Erebos. Now, both of these are very similar. The only difference is that Grave Pact has slightly different wording, but they're both and enchantments. Different costs. And different casting costs, and Dictate has Flash. They're both enchantments, and they basically say whenever a creature you control dies, each other player sacrifices a creature. I think Dictate says each opponent sacrifices a creature, so it's slightly different if you're doing like two at a giant or something. Oh, good point. Um, but... I invest a lot in my creatures. I think I'm I'm Craig taught me to be a creature based player. That was like the main thing that I started doing the first because Kiki Jiki was my first commander. You know, creatures were always something that I uh found myself attached to. So when someone plays Grave Pact or Dictate of Erebos, it is just high time for all of your creatures to die. And even ugh, this actually happened in game nights. Yeah, with the harvester of souls yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And it was just like this weird domino. Ping it was pong. Butcher of Malakir that was killing oh, everyone. Yeah, and it, yeah, you're right, Butcher of Malakir, and it was just this weird ping pong ball thing, yeah. which happens with Grave Pact a lot, where it's like something dies, and because that dies, that kills something of yours, which makes everybody sacrifice a creature, and then you get in this weird domino effect where Ugh. sort of everything just goes. And usually, the deck playing dictate and Grave Pact wants their stuff to die, or it's good for their stuff to die, so it's yeah. just like doubly. Oh uh, yeah, it's just hard to attack them as well. It's hard to block because. You know, if they have a sack outlet out, then you just, like, sometimes I'll just start playing garbage creatures on top of my good ones because I know that I need that good creature to survive and hope that more than three creatures don't die by the time it gets back to my turn or whatever. Yeah, which they almost always have a plan for that. Usually yeah. when those cards come out, you're losing all your creatures. Yeah. 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 Oh, it's so bad. Like, if you're a Narset or one of these. Oh, yeah, Rafik, yeah, exactly. It's just very hard to beat those that card. Um, <clears throat> like it. I play that in a lot of decks, too. I do. So far, I play so, a lot of these cards. I don't play Torpor much. Or Triumph. Okay. I'd play Triumph, but not a lot. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You definitely play this next one. To number two, which is, yeah, I've stated, I think, before, and I believe it's true that I've never successfully resolved this card and not won. <laughs> I'm pretty That's sure. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Because, you, yeah, no, I don't think so. I Even in, I remember the one time you did it in Limited. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. In the game of Conspiracy. <laughs> you, that was. Wait, you did it. You did it too, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I did it once, but I remember there was a better one where you did it. And you yeah. basically killed four of us, and I think we were all at pretty healthy life totals. Like, yeah, the card is expropriate. It's absurd. Yeah, so it's, it's an, potentially the best vote card ever made. I think by far it is. Um, I mean, it's nine mana, so you have to get to the point to cast it. Right? It's seven yeah. blue, blue, and but uh, hey, when you do it, you win the game. I mean, it doesn't say win the game, and it feels like the analogs to other cards are there and those cards like blatant thievery don't always win you the game and right. yet somehow this wins you the game so it uh is seven blue blue for a sorcery it has council's dilemma dilemma that just means it's a vote card but it's from conspiracy two so it More says like tables dilemma right there are two kinds of vote cards one is everybody votes and whatever wins happens the other one and this is from conspiracy two and this is how this works everybody's vote sort of tallies on each category and then that each thing happens that many times yeah so you either vote you get an extra turn that the player who casts expropriate gets an extra turn or gain control of one of my permanents so the person who plays expropriate always votes first. votes for extra turn because they already have control of their permanent so they don't need to gain control of one of their permanents yeah so you always get one extra turn and then it goes to the next player let's say it's megan and she either gives me one of her permanents and i get to choose which permanent it's yep. not like she gets to choose or an extra turn then it goes to maria she makes the same choice then it goes to jimmy he makes the same choice so what happens is you either blatant thievery plus extra turn which means take one 
thing from everybody, their best thing, and then get an extra turn to then use the best things that you just took. Yep. Or you get more than one extra turn. Yep. By the way, time stretch costs ten mana, gives you two extra turns. So you're if you all, get yeah. if you get one extra extra turn, you're already getting a good rate on two extra turns. Plus, yeah. the other two people still give you stuff. It's just, it's just really good. And most times, I think people do make the mistake of yes. giving people an extra turn. You should almost always give them a permanent. Never give an extra turn. Give them a permanent every time. Now, you may lose some good stuff. And you may lose that game, but you will always lose if they get two extra turns. There's no way you win a game where they've got nine mana available to them, they cast expropriate, and you just gave them two extra turns. Yeah, because they're already getting a permanent, probably, and mm -hmm. two extra turns, even if they get... Even the one extra turn can sometimes be enough, but I think people are usually very precious about their permanence. In the first few times, I was like, you're not taking my best card. And I was like, yeah. oh, wait, but I just lost the game. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, this card is broken. Yeah. Yeah, yeah five mana is about the average price for an extra turn in EDH yeah. um, with time warp, not time stretch. And, and time stretch is already like one, a card that could go on this list. Just getting two extra turns for one card is yeah, so good. Yeah, very, very powerful. All right, you're number two. Who does it. number two work for? <laughs> Who does number two work for? This is a card that also we played against recently on game night, and boy, it, it really made things hard to live. It's similar to Rhystic Seti in some ways, too. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. <clears throat> except... In that you have to keep reminding people that it's there. Yeah. It's called Blind Obedience. One in the white for an enchantment. It has extort on it, so it says whenever you cast a spell, you can pay either white or black hybrid mana. If you do, each opponent loses one life, and you gain that much life. So in a four-player game, you're draining everyone for one, and you gain three. The big thing is that it says artifacts and creatures your opponents control enter the battlefield tapped. Artifacts and creatures. If you go back to the game nights where Mel played this in the Commander 2017 precons, I like. I think I had to play a giant mana rock. Yeah, yeah, I played like like Dreamstone, Dreamstone Hedron. Hedron. Yeah, tapped. It's the and then worst the turn. thing ever. Like, I had, <laughs> I, if that card wasn't there, I'd been able to play three more cards off of that Dreamstone Hedron. But because of that, and it's, and it's also like, hey, you need to play a blocker this turn. It's like, nah, you're not going to. It's going to come in tapped. Hey, you need to, you want to have an activated ability or something on a haste creature. It's just not going to happen. Plus the extort. And they get to extort. The extort is actually sneaky good because for one mana, they're gaining three life. And dealing one damage to everybody. The one damage is not as much as the three life. Because if they cast it's two spells, that's six. point six. life total, yeah. Yeah, but if they cast two spells, a lot of times, you know, gain six life. That's just every turn. And you're slowed down, so it's not like you can get to them fast. Yeah, you're really slowed down. Yeah. I've seen people unload their hands on the board being like, all right, past turn, next turn, mm -hmm. though. Yeah. And then it just never comes back around. Or someone board wipes or does something. So it puts everyone in a really precarious situation as well as just being super powerful. It also does that Rhystic Study thing where you're like, oh, yeah, um, that's supposed to be tapped. Yeah. Then those two things should be tapped. That's what really annoys me is because you just <laughs> look at your board and you look at your mana rocks and they are just useless. <laughs> Ugh. And you can play it as early as turn two. And it's only your opponents. Ugh. On to our number ones. Your number one. It, this is a surprise to no one, right? Like, I thought about even disallowing it because I, I, it was like, well, this is going to be like, there's... There's oh, like no, Soul Rig on the top tier. Yeah, factors. there's no suspense here. Like, you know what yeah. my number one is. But in case you don't, it's Blood Moon. Yay. And the gap between Blood Moon and all the other car Posta 9 cards is ginormous. Blood Moon, <laughs> Blood Moon I have been annoyed by since it came out. Since the Dark, right? Is that when it came yeah, out? Yeah, the, the dark, dark, yeah. Since the Dark. I have disliked it because I always like playing dual lands and fancy lands. 
and I always like playing a lot of colors. Not even just fancy lands, just regular non-basic lands, which are in every single EDH deck, unless they're two color or one color, essentially. Even then, there's a ton. That's brutal. So in case you don't know, Blood Moon is an enchantment. It says non-basic lands are mountains. Darn right they are. They're mountains. Beautiful mountains. So Let's take a trip to those mountains. There's a whole lot of reasons that I dislike this card. Maybe they're covered in snow. Uh, one is it's like one card with a pretty unique effect. And a lot of people will point to Ruinations and other sort of land hate cards. But right. those aren't perpetual effects. So like Ruination comes out, blows away my lands. It's not really that different than Armageddon. It's a little better because it can be one-sided. But at the same time, mm -hmm. next turn I can play a land. I can start to do stuff. Blood Moon locks you a lot of times into I can't do anything Yeah. because... You know, maybe I'm in a five color or four color deck, and in those, which I usually am playing, and in those, I might only have two or three basic lands in the entire deck, mm -hmm. if that, sometimes zero, and it turns them to red. Red is the color that can't get rid of enchantments. Yeah, red is also the least played color in Commander, I think. So even if you did, you know, around even it, my five color decks maybe have six red cards. Yeah, it's exactly. Not like yeah, and they're probably mixed with other colors too. And it's like Vandal Blast. Like that doesn't do anything against Blood Moon. I need specifically Chaos Warp. Yeah. To get rid of the Blood Moon. Because, or a Scour from Existence, which is a colorless spell. Yeah, which I'm not putting in a ton of decks. Because that's the other thing. Because Blood Moon is just one card. Like, it, if there was a bunch of cards that did exactly what Blood Moon does. Yeah. And I know there's, like, Magus of the Moon and there's a couple other ones. But getting rid of a creature's... Like, if there are a bunch of enchantments that sort of, I don't know, copied that effect, then I could build my decks because I know I'm going to run into it more. Right. But because it's really hit and miss. Like, Jimmy, you, have, you play it, but you play it in, like, two of your decks. I don't... I'm not going to build my deck to... Yeah, your deck has to be built to, to make sure it doesn't get screwed over by it, too. Yeah, I mean, like, you're going to play one of your 12 decks. If you play one of the two with Blood Moon, you have to draw Blood Moon and play it in that game, which that percentage is so low, I'm just not going to put six cards into my deck just to beat that card. Yeah. So it's just like, when it happens, it feels like, well, I'm, I'm locked out of the game, I can't do anything, but I'm still not going to do anything different in the future because just percentage-wise, it's not worth it. Well, that's why I play Magus of the Moon, so the percentage is higher. At least that's a creature. Like moons. It's a lot easier to get rid of the creature, especially with, with red mana. The, the fact that it's an enchantment and it turned your stuff to red specifically, which is the color that cannot deal with enchantments, is really... Also, color identity and commander really hurts you yeah. because otherwise you could put Chaos Warp into your decks that didn't have red just mm -hmm. as a way to get out of that situation but you can't because you're not allowed to have red unless your commander has red in it all right i hate this card the blood moon rises again josh but again i still like jimmy he's still pretty cool he's all right i guess the best decks equipped to handle this you just have to play less non-basics yeah and you have to sort of make sure that you fetch you know a, a non-basic like forest or right or don't always go grab a dual land or whatever yeah so that you can play your cross and grips or your uh reclamation sage or does yeah reclam reclamation sage does artifacts and enchantments right yeah yeah yes. artifacts some of those only do artifacts yes. or so on and so forth oftentimes that is how it gets <clears throat> taken care of which is just someone has a rec sage or a, an acidic slime and because they're green they've been you know playing rampant growths and stuff so they have the nev's disc there. is another card i actually put in a lot of my five color decks just as like some way to get out of blood moon if it happens to happen and it's good enough yeah. when blood moon's not played that it's still a good card so still don't like it don't like it one no likey Oh, have you noticed a lot of these are enchantments? Yeah. Because yeah. enchantments are the hardest thing to get rid of. And, and they it, stick around. Yeah, they anything that happens around. once can't be that annoying. Yeah, you perpetual know, because it's just like, artifacts and enchantments. Anything where you're like, wait, i got to remember that every turn. Ugh, yeah. ugh, no thanks. All right, what's your number one? <laughs> My number one is a card that you introduced me to. <laughs> it was one of the least favorite games of Magic I probably ever played afterwards. <laughs> 
that card is Humility. Humility is an enchantment, again, two white, white, and it just says all creatures lose all abilities and have base power and toughness 1-1. One, one. Listen, this is really simple, although the card, like, tends to, like, people have a lot of questions when it's in play. Yeah. But the, Can this happen? Can this happen? No. The answer is no. always no. <laughs> the answer is no. It's not... It's a 1-1 one, one with no abilities. There's no point in time where it's not a 1-1 one, one with no abilities. comes in. It's just a 1-1 one, one yep. for sometimes 6. Yep. Uh, it's a 1-1 one, one for 5 mana. The problem with this is that it is... Again, I play creature-based decks. I have a lot of Enter the Battlefield effects. This is like... It combines Torpor Orb, what it does, and it also adds on the whole... Your creatures are just tiny. So you could, you're paying... You're not even getting like a good body off it. Like sometimes you're getting... Like you're paying for a 5 mana, 5-5 five, five or whatever. This time you're just always paying for a 1-1 one, one, no matter what. Yeah, at least with Torpor Orb, and Torpor Orb's bad, don't get me wrong, but there's a times where you can be like, well, I'm just going to attack you with my stuff, right? Yeah. Like, hey, there's still three threes and four fours. Like, you can't just... But Humility even kind of stops that. Yeah, and then it makes everything trade with everything else because they're all 1-1s. One yeah, it's it's a pretty brutal card. Yeah. I would suggest putting it in all your decks if you have, say, if you're around eight creatures or less. Yeah. And you're in white. You should probably have Humility in there. Uh, and then you combine this with Aether Flash. <laughs> that's why that game. Which is an enchantment <laughs> that does two damage to a creature when it enters the battlefield. I, th I think that's what it is. So basically, anytime you play the card, you just died immediately. <laughs> that's really what put that game into the realm of like super annoying. Yeah. And you notice I didn't really play that deck after that because that's sort of what it did. And it wasn't that fun because it was like four hours. Yeah. Well, everyone was just like, as soon as we can get rid of this Humility, it's fine. It's like, no, now we got to get rid of this Aether Flash too. <laughs> oh my gosh. we're just This, this game is going to last forever. <laughs> So humility definitely at the top of my list. It just shuts down too many of my decks, and I like my creatures. You know, I very I have very few Mizzix esque decks. Right, with not. and even then Mizzix gets destroyed by humility. But at least you have powerful spells, and you have the ability to just maybe capsize the stuff. Yeah, exactly. It, you yeah. have other ways of, of of dealing with it. But yeah, humility, what a card! What a card! Okay, so those are our top five, our personal most annoying cards in EDH. But we have a few honorable mentions, stuff that. Um, you know, I don't know if mine are even the next on my list, but they were ones that I was considering. Yeah, they're so up there. My top honorable mention is Winter Orb. Players, this is, this is a classic. Players can only untap one land as long as Winter Orb is untapped. Oh which yeah, is some that's random. actually something that comes up from time to time. So if you can tap your own Winter Orb, you can tap it on the end step before your turn, and then all your stuff will untap, including the Winter Orb. Yeah, and then <laughs> everybody else. So that's a really good like another reason why Fate Stitcher is awesome. Um, yeah, it locks stuff down. Yeah. But when somebody else plays Winter Orb, you're just like going at like... And a lot of times I've noticed... And listen, I'm not calling these people mean or jerk or anything because sometimes their deck is set up to take advantage like they got Planeswalkers or whatever. Yeah. They play Winter Orb and they're not doing the tap it thing. They're just literally fine with everybody else not and yeah. themselves not being able to cast stuff because they're like, well... Then I tick up all my planeswalkers. I have two or whatever. And I'm just getting value while everybody else. Oh is yeah, slowly. it's really good in planeswalker decks. Yeah, but they it's slow, so it's just like okay, untap one land, go, untap one land, go, untap one land, go, and then somebody goes, okay, I'm gonna tick up Jace. I'm <laughs> gonna tick up blah blah blah. I'm gonna tick up this. Okay, go. Yeah. Untap one land, untap one land, untap one land. Okay. I'm gonna or they're playing cards like Treachery. <clears throat> yeah. So you just get their mana back. Um, the thing that's really interesting about this card is that Fate Teacher can tap it. Yeah, and untap it. So if you do have a tap ability, that's that's what you can kind of get someone be like, haha, I tap your thing back down, but or I untap your thing because you tapped it, but it doesn't really matter. I told that story about how we I was playing with some guys and uh, somebody played Winter Orb, but I was playing my Tim deck, so I actually had control of it. I yeah. could tap and untap it, and so I was just making it so everybody except the Winter Orb player got to wow. untap their stuff, 
which was pretty brutal. So that is brutal. But I felt totally Josh. fine because they played Winter Orb, so they gotta they gotta deal with the consequences. They do have of to it. deal with yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, my top honorable mention is Cyclonic Rift, because if you know that if you know that someone has it and they have seven mana, it's almost like playing not like not playing into a board wipe, but even more intense because you don't even want to play your mana rocks. You don't want to play anything really until you can find a way to make them bust it and use it. It's, but it's such a huge board wipe, and it's such a blowout. Because it's like, oh, use your Nev's disc. It's like, okay, it's going to blow everything up. But in this case, it's like, oh, this is a one-sided board clean. Yeah, it's not their stuff. The fact that it's one-sided is, Ugh. and that it's instant. I think those are the two things. Yeah. If it was sorcery speed, then I'd still be awesome because it doesn't hit your own stuff. But it would be much less good. Um, and the game doesn't give us a good way to deal with mass bounce. So, right. you know, you, there's protection, like give your stuff indestructible. There's face reward stuff to get mm-hmm. it back out once it's gone to the graveyard. There's nothing. They need to design a card that says, you know, it's like one in a white or one in a hybrid white green that says um, it's an incident and says if a, if a spell or effect an opponent controls would return a return or permanent any number of permanents to your hand this turn, put those back on the battlefield. You know, something that punishes mass bounce because there's nothing right now that protects you from it yeah other than like counter giving spell. it yeah counter spell you can't even give yourself hex proof because nope. it's, it's a it's just such a powerful card and knowing that someone has it because usually you'll see them tutor it to the top with a mystical tutor or even if like any i would say 80 percent of the time of when demonic tutor in a deck that has cyclonic rift i get cyclonic rift yeah it's that or toxic deluge honestly yeah i mean unless you're already ahead and you're getting crater hoof or some game winning right. card so you're either winning or stopping somebody else from winning. Yeah, that's the big thing. Is that like, haha, I did everything right. I prepared for everything except I cannot stop. It's like Clank Rift overloaded. It's so good. It's so good. It's so good. Seven mana for that effect is just absurd. It's instant. It's instant. Yeah, it's an instant. It's brutal. I hate it. Yeah. Um, but it is very good, and I put it on every deck that has blue, and you should too. You should too. <laughs> uh, my next one is Iona, Shield of Amiria. Iona is, I'm not even going to say her casting toss. She's a huge angel. But what she really says is when she, uh, when you cast her, by the way, it's when you cast her, right? Uh, as she enters the battlefield. Okay. Oh, sorry. As she enters the battlefield. Yeah. You choose a color. And then spells of that color cannot be cast. Yeah, your opponents, your opponents can't yeah, cast spells sorry, of the your color. Opponents. So you could you choose. You still can. You could choose white. Yeah. And be A-okay. <sighs> yeah, you definitely don't like this card at all. Um, it's kind of Blood Moon-esque. It can turn off your ability to get rid of it. Yeah. That's what I don't like about it. Against a monocolor deck, it is just lights out. Yeah. If, if they're playing mono black and you name black, they literally can't do anything. I, again, Scour from Existence, which yeah. if these cards are popping up a lot in your meta, that's kind of your answer. Scour from Existence and Nev's Disc. But uh, they don't pop up enough to build your decks to beat them. Like Just like yeah. Blood Moon. Yeah. Yeah. So... You just kind of take your lumps when they happen. I remember I was playing in an LGS and some guy came up and he was like, "Are you Josh Lee Kawhi from Game Night?" Oh, I remember. I yeah, yeah. This is and I was like, gen. "He's like, can I play a uh, commander?" Sure, sure. Like turn, he managed to like turn five Iona me. And you were playing? I was playing mono green, <laughs> Titania, and I was like, "Okay, I mean, you win." I remember wa- walking by the table, looking at it, and go, "Ooh." I mean, you got that's, me. You got me. That's commander for like, you. Like I'm playing green. I can do literally mono green. Like, what's your answer to Iona? Yeah, you can't counter it. And once it's out, you can't cast any spells. So it's literally like, do you have Scour from Existence in your deck? And did yeah. you happen to draw it? You're just playing draw go. Yeah. It's a nine mana seven seven flyer. So that that of course, nine mana, like expropriate status, 
insurrection. We it's talked not about as this good as the Ramos. Yeah, yeah, we talked about this on the Ramos episode. But nine mana is like end the game cards. I and I I would like it better if it just said you know destroy target player or whatever <laughs> because the, I you know sometimes you still got to sit there and wait for them to kill you. Yeah, and again I don't think those people are jerks or anything. I just I'm just like yeah yeah true yeah you got my monocolor like I'm done I don't, I don't know what am I supposed to do can I go you can't <laughs> all right my. Uh, honorable mention another honorable mention is a card that i play in every single deck of mine it's vidalkin orrery you know this i think when we started this show i don't even think isn't it on our top 10 artifacts back in like that was like ours i really hope so one of our first 10 episodes, please don't look viewers i don't it, think it was we could check right now but, okay but keep talking about this card well, while i check so vidalkin orrery is a four mana artifact and it says you can cast uh, all your spells at flash speed so basically all your spells have instant are instant speed now and Jimmy and I both have sort of slowly come around over the course of doing the show over the last three years in that Vidalcan Ori literally goes in every single deck. Mm -hmm. It's as ubiquitous as Soul Ring. In fact, if I were to say, I think I have Vidalcan Ori in more decks than I have Sensei's Divining Top in. It's just so good. And there are points in the game where it's bad, where it's hard to just pay four mana and do nothing. But if you can ever get it out you're in such a great position because you basically control where you sit at the table and it gives virtual haste to everything. It just has, we didn't, did we? It's not on there. So that just shows, right? So <laughs> what episode number was this? This was episode number 13. It so, was also when we broke down your five color Nekasar deck. Okay. So we're talking, uh, what's the date on it? Uh, the yeah. date is September 30th, 2014. Wow. So we almost three years on this. So that's exactly three years from this episode, right? Yeah. Cause it's coming out on the 20, the 20... I don't know, eighth or something. Yeah. It's going to be on 26. So that's almost three years to the date, four days. So three years ago, we did our top 10 artifacts episode. We each listed our top 10 artifacts, and Vidalkin Ori is on neither of our lists. Wow. And now I would say it's like number two or three probably for both of us. Yeah. I mean, we I... We outlawed Soul Ring on that list too, by the way. Yeah. The, the reason also it's really annoying is that it gives every deck blue Yeah. in a lot of ways, or it gives yeah. every deck flash. Yeah. And the fact that like... A lot of decks just don't. Ha- a lot of colors don't have access to that ability, and it turns every sorcery into a fly- into an instant. It turns every creature, every artifact, every enchantment. It's, it's, it's absurdly ridiculous. powerful. It's just you may cast spells as though they had flash. It's a four drop, and this is a card that's also slowly on the rise price wise. So I don't know. Probably if we- partially because we always talk about it. I mean, maybe it, the thing is too. Like it is innocuous when you don't <clears throat> think about it. About the fact that it does work in every deck and it makes every deck so much better. Giving cards flash is absurd. There are certain cards where they just shouldn't have flash because of the what they do. Yeah, exactly. It's just like broken when you could do it whenever you want. Yeah, pretty intense. Yeah, so Vidalcanori, very annoying to play against because now everyone just goes draw go. And you don't know what to play around anymore. You don't know, oh, that person tapped out so I can do X. It's the turn order changes, essentially. Well, and the end step before their turn becomes very, you can't prepare for anything so they can do anything right then and then follow it up with a play that they wouldn't yeah. have even a board wipe at instant speed yep. like wrath of god at instant speed is incredible a million times better because you wrath of god at instant speed at the end set before your turn and now you're the first one to repopulate tap. the board rather yeah. than the last one yeah i know a lot of competitive edh players are probably shaking their head because i know they don't tend to like Vidalcan Ori because when you're comboing off you usually can't just pay four mana and do nothing right it's also a one-on-one format in competitive edh so it's a lot worse i think well cdh is often one-on-one but not always yeah, but yeah. yeah 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 so yeah but anyway but Elkin. 
I yeah. agree with you. There, now, there's one card neither of us put on our list, but I do want to talk about here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's well, we mentioned it. It's Sensei's Divining Top. Divine away. I would say most people would probably put this in their top five. We hear from online anyway a lot of people complaining about it because I think it's similar to the Ristic Study problem. Of yeah. Like, do you want to pay when for that? You want to pay when for that? People are. I don't know if this actually happens a lot because I've never really seen it happen much, but I guess it does because people complain about it. Or else I hear they, it all the time, yeah. They hear about other people doing it and they just imagine that that's a problem with it, it which is that oh, people go, okay, I top. They look at the top three cards. They think about it. you got to sit there and wait till they do it. They reorder it. Then they do it. And then they can do it again and again and again as different things happen. But I yeah. haven't – that just hasn't been something that we've seen happen very much. And maybe it's just our play group. It, I think it's our play group. I think it's a little overhyped about how bad it is because I think if you're if you listen to our episode, which is how to play faster, you would just you know I play top, I pass the turn to Josh. It's gonna go Josh, Megan, Maria back to me. I just go Maria on your end step. I'm gonna top. If anything changes in between, then I reserve the right. I reserve to sort the of change right to, my yeah. decision. But like I'm just doing this so that like you know and like. I'm going to do it now because 90% of the time, nothing will happen. It also gives you a lot more time to do it as well. That's the thing I think annoys people about, which is someone tops and everyone's sitting there waiting for it. So now you have three turn cycles to do it. And yeah, sure, having a little extra time is quote-unquote cheating a little bit. But I usually top and I look at it, I'm like, all right. And like by the time Josh is halfway through his turn, I figured it out. I just put them back on top. And if something drastic changes where I need to make sure that, oh, shoot, you know what? Because Maria did something on her end step or on her turn that I need to switch the order of these, I'll do it. But it's not like I wasn't going to make that decision anyway. So I'm not really cheating. I'm just giving myself – and I'm more – just trying to save time. I'm trying – yeah, I'm trying to save time for the rest of the table as opposed to giving myself more time to decide because it's really not that difficult. It's not like you're scrying stuff to the bottom. You're just reorganizing the top three. I can understand if it's like, okay, I need to tap the, the thing to draw a card to do all this stuff. Then there's a little more complication with top there. But otherwise, just it's like Mary's guy. You're just reorganizing the top three cards of your library. It's really like how you deal with the instant speed tutors a lot of time, like Enlightened Tutor or Vampiric Tutor, which is, I, I hope people do this. We usually are like, okay, you go. I'm passing the turn. I'm going to Vampiric Tutor on the end step before my turn. I'm just going to go get that card now and put it on top. And if something somebody does in the meantime changes that, then or I'll reserve the deck right. deck or does whatever. Yeah, yeah like, I'll reserve the right to you know change it because I really did it on the end step before my turn. I'm just saving time. And yeah. you know our play group and, and whenever we played at GPs or other LGSs, people have always been like, yeah, do that. Save us time. So... So. Anyway, but top, I can see how it could be annoying in theory. I just don't see that very often. Yeah. All right. All right. There you go. That was like 15 cards that we think are super annoying in EDH. Uh, and yet we still play many. We still play them anyway. <laughs> well, I hope you don't play Humility anymore. I don't, um, No, I, I don't think I have it in any active decks. Sweet. I'm not saying that it won't come in at some point. Well, yeah, I can't make that promise. For There's that new moon, so. sort of almost humility from uh ether revolt what's that card called where you but it only targets one player but it sort of humility so. oh 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 yeah but yeah, it costs yeah. like a bunch more mana it's too. not ether revolt it's from hour of devastation hour of devastation yeah it's, oh, yeah, it's like either. an eight mana target player all their creatures lose their abilities become one it's ones. way worse i'm just yeah. saying i could have two humilities in my deck jimmy so oh, boy. be careful with those blood you could moons. double up on That's someone well I, I have two blood moons magus of the moon let's go i have zero of your most number one card just saying. i have zero of humility in my decks so. <laughs> unrelated <laughs> and i have two blood moons and two decks let me look okay so you've got rhystic study i have it in every deck yep me perplexing too. chimera i have it in one deck great pack dictate i have it in one or two decks yep. blind obedience one or two decks humility zero okay torpor orb zero expropriate one or two i think maybe two gaddick teague zero triumph of the hordes maybe two blood moon they're on all my decks, even if they don't run red. <laughs> no, I'd say Blood Moon's in two decks. So you're right. Okay, okay. I have okay. more it's of pretty, your... You know what? It seems pretty fair. 
Yeah. It's not like you're any of us is like stacking up on the I'll effect. trade you. I'll take Blood Moon out of all of my decks if you take all of your top five out of what? all of your decks. Yeah. No. All of my... T- yeah, all Absolutely of them. Absolutely not. Okay, I'll just do it just for Grave Pact, Bland Obedience, and Humility. My top three. What do you mean? As in, you have to take Grave Pact, Blind, Direct Dictate of Erebus, Blind Obedience, and Humility out of all your decks, and I'll take Blood Moon and Magus of the Moon out of all mine. Hmm. I'll think about it. Ooh. <laughs> I only have a couple of decks with Dictate and... And Great Pact. And Blind Obedience has enough analogs that I could play something else that does a similar thing. Wow. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> I'm going to play the Wish card and get Blood Moon out of my sideboard. <laughs> but I gotcha. I didn't have it in my deck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Letter of the Law. <laughs> didn't think you saw that one coming, huh? I would have mad respect for that, actually. If you I played like, Glittering like, Wish or whatever. You got yeah, me. You got yeah. me. <laughs> oh, man. Those Wish cards, I still don't understand them. I'm like, I can't play with a sideboard in EDH. It's too much. <laughs> All right, time for to the listeners. What are your most annoying cards in EDH to play against? And yeah. do you also simultaneously play those cards like we do? <laughs> I would also like to know if your experience with top is different than one that we described. If your the reason that you dislike it is for something entirely different, I would be very interested to know. So seems that a lot of people dislike that card. All right, if you want to buy any of these awesome cards and not play it against us. Besides Blood Moon, don't buy that one because uh, the world does not need more Blood Moons. Just got reprinted though. Just saying. I would highly um, suggest Expropriate as a card you probably might want to go pick up if you want to yeah. win more games. Uh, that that card seems good. Yeah, Vidalcan yeah. Orrery. If you can find it uh, anywhere, that's not the price is definitely I think doubled now in the past like six or seven months. So if yeah, you can find some stores up, up. or it, it, actually, you could just find one place for all these cards it's cardkingdom.com slash command zone if you use that affiliate link you are helping us keep the lights on helping us do cool things like build this set and bring in awesome guests for game nights and for this podcast we really do appreciate you using that affiliate link uh and our other amazing sponsor is ultra pro Whoop. so while you're at card kingdom you can buy some sweet eclipse sleeves some yeah. of those heavy- if they're in stock yeah they're not always pay attention yeah um and and anywhere you buy ultra pro product is going to be great for uh helping to support the command zone and game nights um you know, obviously, if you go to Card Kingdom and use the affiliate link, that sort of doubles your double dipping, and that's great, but you don't have to. Yeah. Eclipse sleeves, heavy metal dice, those gravity dice. Gravity dice is sweet. Yeah, I get a lot of compliments whenever I, I pull those out. Um, you know, uh, Cassius Marsh is a big fan of the gravity dice. When, In fact, I had to give him one of mine because he was so in love with it. I was like, you can have it. <laughs> yeah, so. I will say this, too, that Card Kingdom, because I was just talking about price hikes and stuff, they are very, they 100% honor the price they put on their page. And there have been a lot of shady sellers on different websites that when, like, someone buys, for instance, like, Hazaret, the uh, the Fervent, was yeah. a card that spiked after It spiked the during Pro the Pro Tour. During so the like Pro Tour. In the middle of it, yeah. So uh, oftentimes you'll see these stories where people say, I bought four copies off of this seller on this website, and then they came back to me and canceled my order because the price had, you know, doubled or tripled, and that seller didn't want to lose those profits. Card Kingdom will never ever do that i actually bought a ton of teferi's protection and they were at a much lower price than they are now and there was not a single i was i didn't even think about the fact that they could would cancel you didn't have ever. to worry about I didn't it have to worry about would never it. Yeah. Do it. man you did that you are so smart i did not do that yeah they are expensive now it's a great card this is a sweet card um all right now it's time for the end step where we mm-hmm. talk about something cool outside the world of magic did you write this one down, or is this from an old instep? No, I wrote this one down. Really? Yeah. I've been talking about this book. I know. That's why I wanted to talk about it. Because did you read it? I did. I read it. Really fascinating. <clears throat> so you and Andrew yeah. were both talking about it the other day, and you know, I'm a book reader, so I wrote it down, and then I went on this trip, and I had some time, so I downloaded it, and I read it. It's called Sapiens, 
It's by Yuval Noah. It is. You want to understand the world better? Yeah, it's a look at sort of the history of humanity, but it's not like it's not like a historical book. It's more yeah. like anthropology, right? So it's more about the movements of people and the changes in thought processes and why does gossip dominate our conversations? Like, yeah, really a lot interesting of looks things. at. Yeah, one of the things I found the most fascinating about the book was the idea of imagined reality and how yes. humans are the only animal that sort of creates imaginary things. And by imaginary things, and it was really interesting in the book, he brings up like corporate entities and nations, you know, and one of, that was one of my favorite parts of the entire book or the command zone. Like the command zone is in, a, in and by that, I mean the podcast or game nights, maybe right. to be less confusing. Game nights is an imagined thing, right? Because it is not some like, what is game nights? Is it Jimmy? No. Nope. Is it Josh? No. Is it this room? No. Nope. No. What is it? Like, what would it take to go away? Yeah, but it, and yet it exists. We all agree that it's a thing that exists. But mm -hmm. what constitutes what it is, it's something we created from nothing. It's an imagined thing. And if you could say that for, you know, Apple, you could yeah. say that for, you know, the United States of America. Really, really fascinating book. Um, I, I just loved it. Yeah. Uh, I will say if you are someone that believes in creationism, you will not like this book. I, I listen. Because I, I it's, it's very much like here's where humans came from. It, it, it definitely where... leans into the evolutionary thing, and I know, I know that's not for everybody. But at the same time, there is leeway from a lot of those people that True. there are ways to sort of yeah. believe in both, depending on the timeline that you believe in. I, I think the I, basic, I that, the the more important stuff that they talk about, which is like humans and our propensity to gossip, is is like you know like the ideas of how humanity works, the anthropological aspects of it, are what make it really fascinating. Um, in the same way that after watching The Wire, I felt like I understood why police systems work. and police yeah. work and how government works a little better. After reading something like Sapiens, I actually listened to it on audiobook. I was like, wow, this a lot of this makes a lot more sense about... And also things are more confusing now. Yeah, it's like, so true because when... Yeah, like what really does hold a country together? <laughs> like some documents? A border patrol? Like It's like a whole bunch of things, right? Yeah. And that's kind of the point of the book too, which is like, it's not so simple as saying it's this thing. It's a It's a framework of a lot of things. Yeah. And super interesting. Highly recommended. Again, it's called Sapiens uh, by Yuval Noah. It's It was, I think, recommended by not a lot of people. Like, I think Obama was a person that recommended it at yeah. one point. So I think it, actually Bill Gates and Steve Jobs both are people that have read it and recommended it as well. Yeah, so. and I think it was like, it's like on the top 10 most read books on Amazon or whatever. So Pretty smart people. Anyway, highly, highly recommend. Something else I would highly recommend is our sister podcast, The Masters of Modern. Alex Kessler and Ben Bateman, they talk Ooh. about the modern format and all things competitive magic. They also occasionally talk about Commander now, which is pretty cool. Yeah. You can find them right next to us at Collected.Company or on Twitter at the MMCast. And of course, special thanks to our editor for the show, Terry Robertson, who's making his way to Los Angeles very soon. Very excited to have him in-house and uh, working hopefully on a lot more stuff to pump out more awesome products for you guys. He makes the video version that you're watching right now or you're listening to and the audio version. He will make this one from L.A. He's been working from oh, Indiana that's right. That's right. for about a, almost a year now. Yeah. But this one he's making from L.A. Yeah. So and so you can watch that at YouTube.com slash The Command Zone Podcast. And also, of course, Jeffrey Palmer. Big thanks for doing all of the living card animations on those videos as well as the Game Nights backgrounds. And, of course, Balam Nahara Najera for this background behind us right now, which is really, really awesome. We hope to change it up. By the way, if you have suggestions of what backgrounds we should use, we'll 100% take those into account and be like, cool. Someone wanted to see uh, Ixalan. Someone wanted to see 
Um, you for X, yeah. Yeah. If you have a cool image you think would work for an animation for the background, absolutely. You can email that to us, commandzonecast at gmail.com, or just put it in the comments or tweet at us. Uh, Facebook works as well. So, yeah. All right. That's it. That's all. Stay annoyed. Stay. <laughs> Don't stop Be annoyed at the idea. card. Don't be annoyed at the person. That's all yeah. I'm going to say. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next time. Peace. I almost did Shaka, and then I did. I threw the Shaka at someone, and they didn't know what it was. They didn't know it. Yeah, and it was funny because the person was like, ven- they were a vendor at a th- at like a like a giveaway thing, and they ha- were doing like Hawaiian lifestyle stuff. I was like, "Yo, Shaka bra," and they're like, "Hi." <laughs> it's like you can't. <laughs> if you're gonna do the Hawaiian thing, you gotta know. You what gotta this know is. what this is. Yeah. Talk about. I, I didn't even know what it was until you told me, and I was like, I was like, oh sweet, now I get the inside info on this, and I was like trying to talk to the person, but they didn't get it. So it's kind of a Hawaiian saying, like, "When in doubt, throw up the Shaka." Really? Nice. The person, I think, was just from the Bay Area. So I was like, okay, you're just mimicking the lifestyle then, aren't you? You're forgiven. Hawaii's cool. Hawaii is cool. They'll chill. They'll (laughs) chill about it. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs>